0: that trees help clean the air that we breathe, filter the water that we drink, and provide a habitat to over 80% of the world's terrestrial biodiversity. Our guest today is the founder and CEO of One Tree Planted, a Vermont-based not-for-profit that is making it their mission to make it easier for people to To give back to the environment. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Matt Hill.
1: Thank you. I'm looking forward to this.
0: How did your sustainable journey actually start?
1: So, I ran Eco Products for Canada, which is the largest sustainable food packaging company or manufacturer. So, I ran it for all of Canada. So, sustainable food packaging, meaning it's recycled PET or it was compostable coffee cups, beer cups, cutlery. And I got them into the Winter Olympics in Vancouver, uh, the manufacturer, and then they asked me to run Canada. So every time I was trying to sell a compostable coffee cup to a business, they always said it was too expensive, but they wish they could do more. And I would always tell businesses, you can plant trees. People don't realize how important trees are to the environment. So I said, it helps clean the air, helps with cleaning the water, helps with biodiversity, it creates jobs, it sequesters carbon, it creates health. So then a really big company in Canada said, Matt, you should start that and we'll be your first customer. So having young kids and doing a lot of traveling, building this business for sustainable food packaging, I decided to start this charity that just identifies really great reforestation organizations that are out there, but people haven't found or know about, you know, on the website, make it very simple for people and businesses to understand, you know, the importance of trees and then a really good organization. So, you know, I started that five years ago.
0: Wow, it sounds like it's been some journey as well. So what what would you then kind of tell people if they ask you what exactly is One Tree Planted?
1: So a charity that helps people plant trees. Every dollar donated plants one tree around the world.
0: Where exactly are you guys planting all these trees?
1: So we plant trees in four regions around the world, North America, South America, Asia, and Africa.
0: So you've mentioned just now that people don't really realize how important it is to plant these trees, but what would be some of the key reasons why you would say, you know, we need more trees?
1: Well, when you see the temperature fluctuations, you know, and every year it's more, I'd say volatile all over the place. Craziest winters, craziest summers in terms of drought or temperatures. And then with, with trees, they help stabilize climate. And I like to use that word. You know, I'm not the person that's saying, you know, it's the climate crisis or this and that. With One Tree Planted, I just try and keep it more as a brand and very simple and not doom and gloom, you know, more inspirational. So if you tell somebody, hey, if you plant a tree, it can help with cleaning the air, they get that. Or when I tell a lot of people this one, cleaning the water and how many major cities around the world you know, get access to clean drinking water because of trees. And I tell them a few stories and I won't go into it. They're like, oh, my God, I never knew that. And then a lot of people take it for granted about how it helps with biodiversity. So if there's a major forest fire, let's just say in California, you know, thousands of hectares are, are lost. How many, how, many, how many animals are displaced, you know, raccoons or deer? Like that was their home. This was the area where they live, And that's a big one that a lot of people, because a lot of people really have that attachment to animals. And then with climate, you know, sequestering carbon and carbon being such a big topic, you know, trees are one of the best things, if not the best, right now at the moment for sequestering carbon. So the average tree will pull in forty-eight pounds of carbon. So you plant a million trees; it's an easy metric to understand. And then creating jobs. So we have a lot of tree planting projects in Africa that are creating jobs. And when somebody donates to plant a tree, it's empowering. Let's just say women or a local community, because what was missing was the trees that they could go out and plant. And then when they're planting it, we work with organizations that are providing technical training, which is called agroforestry. And agroforestry is really, it's a sustainable livelihood because you're create, you're, you're planting fruit trees or nut-bearing trees. So now they're having an income versus a lot of places. They're just cutting down their trees, no trees, and then all of a sudden there's no no, no ongoing income. And then the last part is health. And that's, that's one too that goes overlooked because, for example, in Florida, sometimes it gets to be crazy temperatures and the kids don't go out and play, so they'll stay inside. So they create a canopy, which creates shade and you're you're more likely to go out. It's also very therapeutic, you know, on the health side. So those are my six reasons why people should plant trees. Some people connect on, you know, one, others will connect on the other.
0: That's amazing and I've been trying, my maths is not the best, but I've been trying to like calculate every time that I fly how many trees I kind of need to plant in order to offset my carbon footprint and I think that is, once you start realising that, oh my goodness, I think I worked out like a round trip from Dubai to Cape Town, I need to plant about 77 trees So the more you fly, the more trees you need to plant. So it kind of helps me to reduce now the amount of like unnecessary flights that you take and to to also know that, you know, whenever I'm flying, I need to do my part and make sure that I try to offset my carbon footprint. And I've decided to rather plant trees in order to do that. So, yeah, and I mean, it will probably take me just like one time to plant 77 trees myself. And then I think I won't fly for another few years.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. So yeah, but when we look at the recent fires, so a lot of people are still talking about everything that's happened in Brazil. And it's such an important topic. You know, when, when we see the Amazon burning, what effects does this have, you know, uh, locally, it's it's got effects globally. And how can we kind of step up and prevent this from happening again?
1: So, you know, there was really big forest fires in like North America, for example, California, Canada, biggest forest fires last year. Now you see what's happening in Brazil, tragic. A couple of years ago in Indonesia, ma- major forest fires. So, pockets all over the world. And then there's other countries too that people just aren't hearing about the news, Amazon Brazil, pop of mine, it has that cachet name, you know, the lungs of the of the world, right? The Amazon rainforest. So what can can we do? I think it's just the basic understanding of the importance of trees and ways to maybe reduce or take care of, but you know, such a big magnitude in terms of what's going on. And Brazil's a, a tricky, tricky country. Um, Out of all the places I plant in the world, when I told you the four regions, then I go into the specific countries within those regions. What can people do? That's a tough one in terms of forest fire. Because, you know, were those created by man or was that, you know, naturally created? So, you know, I'll tell you one, actually, because there's so many projects that we do. So we were on the phone last week with Brazil and there was this organization. It was just two or three, three people and they were using WhatsApp to monitor. You know, forest fires and people who are deliberately planting forest fires. And now, within five years, there in Brazil, this little team of people, and they're, they're actually a charity now, there's 40 of them. And what they do is they need money, budgets, and they asked us if we could provide some funding to them to buy the hardware. And they put phones throughout the forest so they could have kind of real time monitoring wow. in terms of what's going on. So, that's a great story. Of people are using phones to monitor in, in Brazil, and then there's this other thing called Global Forest Watch, which has real-time monitoring of forest fires, where there's hot spots where fires kind of happen more frequently, and you could look and you could. It's an open source, so you, you could post, "Hey, there's a fire going on right now in this particular region," and then if enough of these alerts are coming in, maybe it alerts the authorities to react faster to help you know, reduce that fire, or put it out before it becomes, you know, too big. So I think these type of things are starting to come up, especially with technology changing. So it took me a while to think about that one, you know, because, you know, I'm walk- I live in Montreal. So when I'm walking around, you know, I'm not exposed to it here. And then, you know, when droughts created over there on the West coast, let's just say, you know, what can you do? That's mother nature, you know, like it's tough, but you know, if you're keeping, you know, more trees out there and a stabilizing climate and you have the moist conditions, they're less likely to spark up. And let me tell you one last thing in terms (laughs) of the forest fires. We actually this week and last week just planted 200,000 trees in British Columbia where we were planting pioneer tree species. And these are new types of trees that are more resilient to drought. And last year when the big forest fires were hitting the aspens and the cottonwoods, they noticed the fire dipped and dropped. So they're experimenting right now with putting different types of trees so that when a fire does move forward and it's Douglas firs or a particular type of tree that you know catches quickly, when it hits these type, it stops. And it's almost like in a sense a barrier or they're spacing out the trees in a little different way now so that it won't keep moving forward. There's kind of points where it'll stop. So you're seeing organizations looking at trying new things. In California, we're doing more oak trees where they're resilient to drought versus what is traditionally in this particular corridor that always sparks up every 10 years. So I didn't go to Brazil specifically, let's just say. I'm giving you examples around the world in what terms, what people are doing. And you have the government or the agencies there to kind of support these new initiatives and efforts. And hopefully in South America or these regions, you know, they're trying, and actually, I know the Canadian government is providing technical assistance to the government there in terms of not necessarily donations per se for more trees but new ways of fighting the fires or reducing or preventing fires and new methodologies.
0: Wow, so there's quite a few initiatives that's happening, so how can our crazy birds get involved in to help you guys
1: I think. Our charity's never been about, you know, give us money, give us money. So when I started this charity, I always found a lot of the charities out there, and they're all amazing charities. They were too technical. And consumers out there are people, individuals that want to help you go and you look. And I found that people didn't take action because when you went to a website, it was overly technical. And then people just, they do nothing. Or it was doom and gloom. And if you don't do something now, the world's going to end. I don't think that that works anymore. I think it's got to be more some. inspirational and small little things, little action steps, collectively make a difference. So with your group, I think one, understanding the basics about forests and trees in terms of how they help. And we have these really nice one-pagers that explain you know, why trees matter. Let's just say it's number one. Then number two, I'd just say you can go out in your local community and plant trees, but people don't know how to do that. So again, we have another thing in terms of how to go about it. Because somebody thinks, oh, I'll just go to a nursery buy a couple of trees and go show up to a national park and plant them. Can't do that. Is that the right type of tree that you're planting there? Do you know how to plant it properly? Permissions. Even doing it with schools to plant on there, there's a lot of red tape to go about. So the proper way. And then there's a, we organize a lot of tree planting events, and we help them guide them in terms of you know getting 20 people in your area to go out and plant some trees. And then in terms of how your group can, can do stuff, I mean – I don't want to come across here, but you know, if you decide to say, okay, I'm going to donate four dollars, and I want these four trees to be planted in Rwanda. Not only is it helping plant a tree there, because you're giving that, it, it's the mechanism which allows us to start. Obviously, not just four trees, but you know, we have a pool that is collected through a whole year, and then when the season's right, you know, we'll give that money to that organization. They'll grow the trees in the nursery, and now let's just say they'll distribute fifty thousand trees. To local community, which is empowering women. So again, don't want to come across saying you know people can all just go out and donate because that's not the solution. It shouldn't be Mm -hmm. about money, money. It should be be about action steps that things people can do. And the first is for step is from education and understanding different things that people can do that makes a difference.
0: Yes, definitely. And I feel what you've also said is you know with us just going to a nursery and buying trees like here, especially in the UAE. When we've got tree planting days or things, we would typically plant like a gaff tree because it's more hard wearing and it can actually live and survive in this conditions. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we planted something else that is like a subtropical mm-hmm. type of tree, yes, it's going to look interesting for the first maybe week or well with the weather nowadays that might not even survive the day. And it mm-hmm. needs so much water. So I would definitely recommend, you know, it's much better to work together with an organization like you guys to just know that the right trees are planted because you don't want to sit with the situation where you've got 10,000 trees that is literally draining every single drop of water out of that mm-hmm. environment. Cause that's not gonna be beneficial for anyone. So yeah, so I think definitely that is, that's so, so important. And then, um, you've kind of explained like with the little seedlings. So is that typically how the communities would grow these little seedlings and that's what they plant? So it's not like full trees or what type of size is the trees that you guys would plant?
1: I'd say probably about a foot in height. And tree seedling, tree sapling. So basically when people donate, and then we have a bucket. I always just say it's a bucket of money. And then that country or that organization calls us. And right now in the, in the fall, we're planning for the spring in North America. So they'll say, hey, how much do you have for California? And we'll say we have X. And then they'll place those orders at the nursery, grow them, and then they'll distribute those particular trees to the different regions. Because as you mentioned, there's different types of seed zones. And these species of trees you know, need to go in these areas. And then they'll go, you know, to a particular site. So in California, we call them resource conservation districts. And, you know, those trees won't go back in the ground because they're looking for budget. You know, budgets are getting reallocated. So we're the ones that say, here, we're coming up with the money to purchase the trees. And then you have the volunteers or you could find the money for, you know, the tree planting costs. And then usually, you know, most places around the world, it's just the local community that then maintains those trees afterwards. You know, and I probably say the most difficult thing in terms of tree planting is the last phase. So there's, I always say four parts to tree planting. Site preparation to make sure that, you know, the weeds are all cut down because you can't plant the tree when there's heavy weeds or dead trees that are just in the way. Uh, Second part is the cost of the tree, you know, that you'll get in the nursery. Third part is the tree planting cost. So it's contractors that will go out and put the trees in the ground. And it's the maintenance part. So the local community that will be be there when you plant those tree saplings, seedlings, that the goats aren't coming to eat it or the deer, you know, because a lot of times there's heavy tree loss based on just the local habitat that are hungry and come in and eat these saplings when they're really young. Or the weeds take over. In certain countries, like in Indonesia, you plant the trees, but the weeds are surpassing the tree growth, the sapling, and then there's no sunlight. And then what you plant doesn't survive. So you're just making sure for about two years, let's just say you want to kind of maintain it.
0: yeah, so there's quite a lot of stuff. It's not just getting a small seed, putting it in the ground, and you know fingers crossed, it's gonna survive. Um so there's a lot of work that goes on. yeah a lot of plan. we're
1: planning yesterday stuff for twenty twenty two
0: Jeez. And that's something that's really interesting for me because we've got tree plant day coming in as well. And I know because all of the different countries and all of the different seasons, we've got tree planting days on like so many different days around the world. But is there anything that is coming up in the near future that you guys want to share with us?
1: Sure. Well, we have plant the tree day, September 28th. And I was talking to, you know, really big nursery California. I think it was actually last year, around this point in time, where we said everything's so heavily based in April for Earth Month and Earth Day. And Earth Day is April 22nd. So, one, that's not even the best time in North America for tree planting. And, you know, we're an American charities and most of our operations happen in North America, even though we plant all over the world. So I said there should be something else another day versus everything so over there. So I said something in the fall to balance it. So we said, and we just wing, winged the name, said, why don't we create Plant-A-Tree Day? We Googled it to see if that day kind of really exists. And I think the only place I actually saw Plant-A-Tree Day, that coin term, was in Australia. So we said, let's do it. We reached out to a bunch of organizations and we said, we'll give you $1,000 that you can use to purchase trees, get some mulch, some soil, whatever you need, and get some people out. And we'll help you get people out. So when I think about two, three weeks notice around this time of the year, we got 17 different cities that said, hey, we're in. And we also sent them t-shirts, 30 t-shirts. And as much as it might be small, they all said, hey, it felt like it was part of a team. So we put reforestation on the front. We put the local organization's logo on the back so that they feel about that it's you know them involved too and not just about us. And we got a lot of great photos and we shared the photos with the community. And then people feel that they're part of this community and it was a great time and they got their hands in the dirt. And they were looking forward to it. So then in April, we did it again, we were in 72 cities. So we're doing it now this fall, plant a tree day, September 28th. And obviously, that's not a hard date. A few are doing it on the 25th. Some are moving into October 14th, because in Oregon, for example, when they plan, it's better in mid-October, late October, Texas is in November. But that's just something in the fall to get people out. So that's the one thing. And then You know, you asked about what people could do for to to be helping with this area. You know, there's a couple of key things that aren't just about a donation or planting a tree, but eating less beef, for example. So I just say meatless Mondays. And you just say, you know, small little things that do have an impact in terms of deforestation. So, you know, a lot of deforestation occurs from, you know, I always say four primary drivers, you know, the production of beef because they need more cows out to graze so they have to clear the trees so that there's more room for the cows and that's a really significant contributor to it and then there's just population growth like development so there's just clearing for more condos to go up then there's palm oil which is a big one and people don't realize how much palm oil is in there and then soy so those are four significant drivers but you know the key one that people can relate to is you know you could be a vegetarian for one day per week and if a lot of people start continuing to do that it helps
0: Exactly, I mean, even one meal a week will make such a difference. And palm oil is one that you don't really realize how big it is until you actually check some of the labels that you've got in your existing kitchen. You know, some of these companies can be so sneaky, hiding palm oil under different labels, you know, even when we try to look for it, we don't always find it, but it's definitely worth making sure that you do not support any products that contain palm oil. And if it's one of your favorite products, maybe, you know, have a chat to the manufacturer and see if they can't switch some things up, because that's really, really affecting a lot of deforestation, especially like in Indonesia as well.
1: If people go to Global Forest Watch, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, but Global Forest Watch, and there's a map. I mean, it's actually on our website. We put it in there. And where you see all the pink is you see where the areas are that are experiencing deforestation. So, I mean, yeah, Malaysia, Indonesia. But when you look at North America, a lot of people just kind of think the West Coast, but a lot of deforestation occurring in the Southeast. And a lot of it is because of development.
0: Wow. Wow. Mm. yeah, And I mean, obviously, these animals need to go somewhere or they Mm -hmm. just don't survive. So it's really, really heartbreaking for me to actually hear about those things. So, yeah, thank you again for what you guys are doing to making a real difference.
1: Thank you. To me, with One Tree Planted, it's also about storytelling. So a newsletter went out today, but people want to know about the stories and they don't want to hear, like I said, the doom and the gloom the technical aspects, and if you can tell a story, they can relate to it. so I'm going to give you two, and I'm not sure if you have the time to put it in the podcast, but for yourself because I think you'll appreciate this. So where we just planted two hundred thousand trees just this week and last week in British Columbia, I was on a site tour in June and it was the biggest forest fire ever in British Columbia, and we went with thirty two of us, all different you know experts, what are the insect experts, endemologists, and then there was nursery. The people who grow the trees, the silver culturists, the crew chiefs. Anyways, we went to this valley, and a lot of caribou and moose graze in this particular valley. And this conservation organization just needed $26,000 to plant 26,000 trees along this particular junction in the corridor because the wolves had a direct line of sight on top of the valley and they could see the moose and caribou. And then where there was this corridor to get into the valley, they wanted to plant the trees. So, one, we were planting 26,000 trees to obscure the line of sight to the wolves into the valley. And the second part was to stop the wolves from getting to full speed capacity because there were obstacles so that the moose and the caribou had time to get out. And I was like, what an amazing story in terms of this is not only just helping with the restoration from the forest fire, it's helping with the animals. And it's a story, you know, people can relate to. And I never heard a story like that. And then the other one, for example, we're planting a million trees in the Pacific Northwest, a lot through Oregon and Washington state, and it's connected to the orca whale. The Vancouver Canucks, the hockey team, NHL hockey team, their logo is the orca whale. And it's the icon to the Pacific Northwest. And there's only 75 orca whales, resident orca whales. So people go there, specifically to go out in the water and see them. Why is there only 75 left? All these experts looked into it. And a big reason why they're declining is because their food supply chain, which happens to be the Chinook salmon, is on the decline. Why is that salmon on the decline? They're not coming back to spawn as much anymore because the water temperatures through all these rivers is too warm. So what we're doing is planting a million trees through this corridor to cool the water, creates the shade. And we're putting actually old Christmas trees that were traditionally being thrown out into the water because it creates pockets where the spawn where the salmon can come back to spawn. And we're putting actually old Christmas trees that were traditionally being thrown out into the water because it creates pockets. Where the, spawn, where the salmon can come back to spawn. So the grand story of this is we're planting a million trees to cool the water, which helps with the salmon, brings back the salmon population, which helps the resident orca. And it's on the endangered species list. Wow. So there's so many interesting stories that I like to share with great photos. And you tell the story and it's powerful. And then people are like, oh, my God, I want to help. And how can I help?
0: Exactly. That's fantastic. Wow. I'm so excited to actually, you know, kind of follow this story as well, because it would be fantastic to see, you know, a few years down the line, what a difference that million trees would have made. So, wow. Jeez. So, what would you say has been one of your most important decisions that you've made around Mama Earth?
1: Important decisions in terms of like what I've done to grow this organization. Yeah.
0: Any decision that you felt like, you know, wow, that's really had an impact on the environment.
1: That's a tough one because every day, (laughs) every day going into work and my team, we love what we're doing and we see all these great stories in terms of the impact that we're doing. But one decision that I've done that I would say comes top of mind. I mean, I, I mean, one, just starting this organization versus what I was doing has been so... Meaningful to me, but what I see every day when I go to these different sites and I see these organizations that we're helping and they're like so thankful, and I say, don't thank me. I mean, I literally just show up and I provide the money. It's all the crazy birds. It's those people that I say you have to thank because it's all these people that will donate four dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, and then we're giving that to them. Um, so that's why I say, don't thank me. I mean, so I created a website. I have pretty pictures on there. I basically take technical information and I try and make it relatable, you know, and then people like you are spreading the word saying, hey, look at all these great things you can do to help the environment. And then people collectively, you know, it makes a big difference. So your question to me in terms of one specific thing, I don't know, I would have to circle back to you because I can't think of something top of mind other than starting this organization. And it's just been a great journey for me so far. Yeah, But if you ask me a few more questions, I might think of something.
0: (laughs) Well, we're going to move into our final five. So the first one is, what is one social media account or publication that you follow?
1: You're talking to a person who's never even been on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm not on anything social. I have no (laughs) Instagram, Facebook. I never have. So my team manages that.
0: And any publication? Is there a certain newspaper or magazine?
1: Real Leaders. That's the one. You know, I read a bunch of stuff. I read a ton of books and I read a lot of books about just like managing time management, you know, growing businesses and just seeing what other people have done and kind of understanding it. Because I probably say the most difficult thing is, you know, as you grow as an organization, you know, it's managing the organization versus what I was doing before. So I just le- I love to speak to people like you and the businesses and tell them about all these great projects. But, you know, project managers, operations, so I'm just busy, you know, with a lot of th- different things and trying to travel and get to the sites. Because when people donate, you know, we have to be at those sites to really understand and making sure that the trees are going in the ground and they're being successful.
0: And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward?
1: You know, what I always say is, mama earth is so much more powerful than anybody else and it just needs to do a reset one day right and then everything is just going to happen but my hope you know it just gets better but you know right
0: yeah Um, that's perfect we all hope but then we kind of realize that you know the planet will be fine and the planet mm. will be fine without us because we're the ones that's going to suffer because yeah. we're not going to have oxygen anymore. So we need to kind of look at that as well, that I feel mama earth will adapt and, you know, get used to it, but we're going to be the ones that's going to be left without food, without oxygen.
1: I'm going to do a reset. It's like enough with you guys and I'm doing a reset and it'll, it'll adapt and move on.
0: What would be your advice that you can give our crazy birds this week to help out Mama Earth?
1: So my advice for the crazy birds is to just have the better understanding of the small things that they can do that collectively make a difference. You know, so I always say to people, you don't have to go to extremes, right? Everything in moderation. And I always use the analogy, a one-base hit. You don't have to have a home run. So small little actions that collectively make a difference. So if every person on the planet just planted one tree, hey, there's a lot of trees. If everybody just was a vegetarian on Monday, right, one day per week, everybody could do that. And if you walk to work one day or carpooled, so all these little actions that are easy to do all add up. I just think that a lot of people are looking at what they can do. I hear that all the time. What can I do? And then I'll say to people, well, what are you doing, right? And, and they kind of pause and they're just unsure. And, you know, I was mentioned when you were mentioning what I read and look at, you know, I just read a lot of books. And there's this guy, Dan Heath, who writes a lot of great books. And one's called Switch. And it's really, you have to paint the picture for people and direct them, but make it super clear and then they'll do it. So, you know, the advice is, you know, look to see on the things that you can do. And here's five things you can do this week or this month, like I was mentioning to you that are simple and easy and do them. Because when I go to these organizations that do, great, great work. But a lot of it is based on pledges and commitments. And what I hear more often than not is they're like, oh, we love working with you guys because you guys get the stuff done and fast. And yeah, they're not the million tree projects. Maybe they're only 25 50,000 trees, but they're happening. They're happening every week, every month, right? Because they're small projects and we can make them happen versus these major commitments and pledges by these countries saying, okay, here's $50 million and go and do this. But then it becomes bureaucratic and takes forever and it's been five years and nothing's happened. Wow. So I just say everybody can do something right now, right? Exactly. But providing direction and where do I go to? Because 80% of people, when they look for something, what do you when you look for it, what do you do? You Google it. Yeah. And then they don't and then 90% of people never go past page one, right? So, you know, for us, it's been a five year journey. And you said it's been a crazy journey. It really has. You know, the first thing I said was to me it's not a number about how many trees I plant. People say, Oh, what's your goal? This and that and all. My objective is just to be a recognized brand. So when people think about reforestation, that we're the one that comes up. Oh, one tree planted, and we want to plant trees with them. They always have some great projects, right? And then you're telling it into the stories, and then you're inspiring people, and then they want to do more. So we're taking companies out and people out, and like we plant for L'Oreal, and it's like five years in a row now that L'Oreal is coming out because they just have a great time coming out. They want to do more for the environment. Because then when they hear how they planted some trees today and the importance with the water, the air, they're like, hey, as a company now, let's do more. And that's kind of like really inspiring for me and more the end goal. It's now you're showing them that this can be simple. And then you're getting a big company like that that says, "Yeah, we need to do more as a company to help the environment.
0: Wow, that's great. I think, you know, things like that, and it it's going to happen more and more with more companies. So I definitely hope that some of our crazy birds is going to plant trees this year. I always recommend that at least, you know, go and plant one tree a year. And that's exactly what you guys are doing. One tree planted. So it's super easy for them to go and plant one tree and while you're planting one tree maybe plant 10 trees because it's one dollar a tree so let's get more trees planted and what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey
1: well the fact that i give out the most is that the average tree sequesters 48 pounds of carbon that's one fact they throw out all the time because all these carbon calculators this and that and tons of carbon in the atmosphere and just kind of people don't comprehend it. And they say, the size of Greece is lost every year to forests. I'm like, well, I know where Greece is on the map, but I don't know how big it is. So it means nothing to me, right? Because I can't relate a country, but I can relate a soccer field a second is being lost to deforestation. So I know what a soccer field or football field is, and you're losing that every second. So these are stats that I find, and it's worked for us, that's made it relatable so those are probably two soccer, soccer field, the second and 48 pounds of carbon that a tree can sequester.
0: Awesome. And where can people actually find you and your organization?
1: At onetreeplanted.org. And then there, there's a lot of assets that people can get for free videos about our team and our organization. And then just information about all the different projects that we plant in.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And thanks again for all the work that you and your team is actually doing to make this planet a lot greener and provide us more oxygen.
1: Great. Thanks. Cool. thanks You're most welcome.
0: Me. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at MamaEarthTalk.com. Follow at Design by Mariska on Instagram or email hello at mamaearthtalk.com and let me know if there's a topic you'd like me to talk about. I love hearing from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every Monday. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.